Blog Talk Radio. How would you like to get the inside scoop on the secret sauce of show business? Imagine being ahead of the pack when it comes to knowing how to land that part you crave in that film, play, or TV program. Listen to the Inside Acting Radio Show hosted by William Powell, the king of D.C. media, at blogtalkradio.com. Search Inside Acting. Good morning, dear listeners. Today's episode is part two of my interview with the cast of Thoughts of a Colored Man, now playing at Center Stage, 700 North Coward Street, Baltimore, Maryland. For tickets, go to centerstage.org or dial 410-332-0033. Thoughts of a Colored Man is a poetic journey through the lives of seven black men over the course of a day in Brooklyn, New York. In this outstanding play, all races and sexes can relate to the emotions displayed on stage. It was written by Keenan Scott II and directed by Steve H. Brotnax III. It stars Jerome Preston Bates as Wisdom, Brandon Dion Gregory as Passion, Forrest McClendon as Depression, Reynaldo Pinella as Lust, Jody Renard as Happiness, Ryan Jamal Swain as Love, and Garrett Turner as Anger, and Ashley Pierre Lewis and Holly E. Wright as Woman Number One and Number Two. So I see that we have two of the cast here. I know we have Jerome's going to be on the line, and I don't know who else. And let's see who's on the line here. Good morning, gentlemen. Good morning. Good morning. Okay, we got uh, Jerome and who else? And Brandon Gregory. All right, Brandon. Okay, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you, sir. All right. How are you? Absolutely, absolutely. So, so uh, Jerome, we're going to start with you. Uh, So, uh, now, as you were building this character, what memories, if any? did you draw on to build your character? I had to first consider that, you know, he was born in Africa and he came to the United States at an early age, so around 12, 12 years old. So I had to first deal with that. I had to deal with what name he would have been named or what name he would have adjusted it as he came, what his father's name, what his mother's name, what did they do? How did they meet? And when then he came to the United States, how did, uh, that uh, reflect on his upbringing, um, uh, you know, peer pressure or adjusting to a different society. So I, I, that's what I dealt with first. I dealt with the history of the character uh, to kind of get uh, to where he was in the play. I pretty much do that with uh, all my characters. Sometimes I even add a soundtrack of music they may listen to. But uh, that was pretty much it. And then from there, you build uh, character likes and dislikes, his history, marriage history, children, education, where he went to school, um, you know, where he's working now, how did he get to that particular place. So you try to build a history um, to, um, um, to the place where they are when you meet them in the play. So that's pretty much where I started. Okay, uh, Brandon, how about you? Uh, mine uh, was a, actually a very unique 
situation uh, to my experience uh, because uh, my character, I feel like uh, I usually build character from the text, uh, what the playwright has written. And I feel like my, throughout this entire process, my character has, uh, has changed in exponential form. And um, if I, if I couldn't build it based on the text, then I had to find other ways to bring something solid to the, um, to the story. And so what, what I ended up doing was leaning on uh, my director, leaning on the playwright who whom we have, we had right in the room, um, the choreographer, and then especially my other actors. So I was watching them and seeing the very specific stories that they were telling and wherever they were coming from, I was going, I was looking at a bird's eye view and saying, okay, this character is playing that, this character is playing that. In this whole story, what is missing here? And I started building from, from a place of what wasn't as opposed to what was. Does that make any sense? Yeah, I guess it's like jazz. You've got to fill in the gap. Yeah, exactly. Kind of like an well, improvisation. Well, yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so uh, Jerome, I'm going to go back to you. So how did you keep okay. your energy up through all those long rehearsals? Uh, you know, <laughs> I mean, you, you got to wake up with some kind of uh, discipline in terms of what you're going to do for the day. And I generally try to wake up, uh, get a good workout in, uh, get a good vocal workout in, try to get a good meal. And then just dive into the rehearsal, uh, being uh, available for what comes my way, whatever changes comes my way, uh, dealing with, uh, you know, the objective of the scene, uh, uh, the action of the character, uh, and how he interacts with the characters around him. But uh, you, you, uh, for me, it's, 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 it's good to have a, a good start to a morning and begin to say what you're going to do for that rest of the day. And then be open and available for those things that you did not expect, you know. So um, that's pretty much it. You, just, you know, I, my routine always considers some kind of workout in the morning just to get the juices flowing, as we would say, get the, get the muscles, get the blood flowing, get the brain working. And right. that encompasses, you know, exercise, vocal exercise, and, and a good diet. And... Uh, and whatever resources I would need to also continue to uh, develop the character. You know, it, it takes a little bit of reading even for me outside of the script to deal with um, uh, what this character, who this character is, uh, you know, and, and why he has he's come to this particular place at this particular time. And so that's pretty much it in yeah. a nutshell. Wow. So, Brandon, how do you prepare? Um, my preparation, so uh, to me, a rehearsal day is very taxing. So, um, to me, I, I'm spending a lot of energy. I'm spending a lot of my resources in the room, which means to have something to spend, I must also have something in the tank. So I try to start yeah. out my day, um, or even before I even get into the rehearsal rooms, I try to start out. Uh, filling up that tank. So whether that is um, conversations with with loved ones, um, 
interaction with other other forms of art, music, um, uh, even even meditation is a real big thing for me to center myself, um, to know what I'm doing uh, and what I'm going to be doing this day, so that I'm grounded and uh, and I have a, a place to spring from uh, once once we get into that rehearsal because like like Jerome said there's uh there's going to be so many changes in a rehearsal you have so many other artists in the room working and you got to be flexible you got to be available and um not only do you need to come with your own ideas and your own research uh with the character that you're building you also got to be able to adapt when someone else offers a suggestion or an idea um, so that the rehearsal process uh, is as efficient as possible. Yeah. Yeah. I think yeah, I had. Go ahead. Gotta make this. No, uh-huh. go ahead. I, I think uh, Daniel is still talking. Go ahead. Oh, no, that was it. Yeah, That's I think... all I had. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. I, I don't know. I, if I, I think I would add else. to that, you know, really at the top of the morning uh, and uh, prayer uh, for me. Uh, and, uh, yeah. I know that comes in the form of either meditation or however a person gets to a certain piece, but it has to be a prayer that at the beginning of the morning, uh, I have made it a, uh, I have made it a regimen to get to the knees first and be in that quiet place uh, and to be led and to be guided and to be encouraged and to be strengthened and to allow, uh, you know, the the incredible gift that we all have in us. It's just a matter of us getting in touch with it and allowing it to flow through us because we all have a, just an incredible gift of just sometimes begging to get out and and to do great and wonderful things. So, I, you know, I, 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 I must add I start with prayer, and from there I can begin to get into, you know, exercise and diet and anticipation. Yeah. That's that's the way to go. You got to take care of the instrument. Got to take care of the instrument. So now, Jerome, do you uh, notice a big difference between matinee and evening audiences? Well, it can be. It can be. Um, you know, in traditional type of uh, regional theater. Um, generally, the matinee crowd could be really the older crowd, people who want to get out and and um, get in uh, uh, some theater, have some dinner afterwards, and be able to retire soon. Uh, the evening crowd sometimes may be a little bit more of a, a younger crowd, uh, you know, um, that uh, want to get out and have theater and, and, and get home. Um, in terms of the energy of the attendance of the audience between matinee and evening, it will depend on what the makeup is of the crowd, and you never know. Uh, sometimes I would think the the matinee crowd may be quieter, and, uh, okay. and the evening crowd may be a little bit more interactive, and you can maybe feel them a little bit. Uh, more from being on the stage in terms of them reacting or clapping or just, you know, following the story. You can kind of sense and feel that. Hmm. Okay. Brandon, how about you? Yeah, I think it definitely depends. Um, 
I would like to think that matinees are slower or quieter um, until I get a matinee uh, where they're just rocking and rolling. And so um, it do, it depends on uh, the makeup of the people. Sometimes you get theater goers uh, who want to just receive. And they're all different types of, those are old people, those are young people, that's black, that's white, that looks like anything. Some people just want to sit in a seat and be entertained. While there are others who go to the theater to uh, to have a, a a conversation, a dialect, uh, or I'm sorry, a dialogue where we do something and they want to explode, they want to laugh, they want to yell back at us. And initially, you know, when I first started this business, I thought that that just happened at nighttime. But um, I'm even finding it here in Baltimore that uh, I can definitely find those theater goers uh, in a matinee as well. Yeah, yeah. So now with this play, it seems like that, you know, to black audiences, especially especially black male audience members, you'd be kind of preaching to the choir a little bit. Uh, so, Brandon, I, I mean, Jerome, I'll start with you. Do you think uh, this play, in any way, does it educate non-black audience members as to, you know, the experiences of those characters? I think it does. I think it brings it up front uh, to their face uh, and, and in a position where they cannot escape from it, uh, not feeling comfortable walking out or <laughs> You know, or they're a captive audience. So, yeah, I uh, I do believe that they're a captive audience. Uh, if it came on television, they could choose whether or not they wanted to watch that. If it came to the movie right. theater, they could right. choose whether or not they wanted to go to the movie theater. But sometimes you go to the theater, you get a, a basic uh, synopsis of what the play is. And I think with our play, you get in there and you get, and it, it goes really deep deeper than any description of it and you're there and you're a captive audience and it it uh i think for a lot of people it 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 uh it it, it penetrates their uh their soul their spirit and their mind without a doubt wow and that's with wow. across across the audience uh and particularly those who are not, yeah that's you know, african americans that's i got yeah yep so brandon how about you yeah, well, you know, you you got to think about uh, what our American society thinks of men of color in today's day and age. Uh, when you turn on your news, uh, you know, I, I'm look, I'm across the street from a jail right now where it says, "Drop the gun or pick a room," and it's in. This yeah. is in Baltimore. This is, um, you know, black people are seen as. Uh, entertainers, they're seen as thugs, they're seen as criminals, and there's it's a it's very monolithic the way that society sees black men in today's culture, and so I think what our playwright intended to do was uh, number one build empathy toward black men and and really get yeah. the police to stop killing us, uh, but then also to expand the spectrum uh, of in which people see black men. And I think that once you can start dissecting all the different variances of black men um, and ev- and evaluating those, bringing those to a sense of consciousness, uh, then you begin to, uh, I think that 
begins to build your empathy. I think then you start to look at the topics that these black men are dealing with and not just looking at one black man and, and believing that that one black man represents all black men. It's like you look up on that stage and you see seven black men dealing with gentrification, dealing with womanhood, uh, dealing with uh, self-confidence. And yeah. um, that is something that I think everyone deals with across the board, man, man woman, uh, all of your religious backgrounds. We're all dealing with that. Right. So you can look up on that stage and see the variances of black men dealing with these things that you're dealing with too, then of course a non, uh, a person of non-color can get educated. Uh, we can touch their soul in, in lots of ways. So, And I think that's what we're doing too. And it may be uncomfortable, uh, but that's where the learning happens. Learning doesn't happen in your, in your state of ease. Uh, you, you will mm-hmm. be touched. You will, you will get your heartstrings tugged on a bit. And I think they know that too. You know, the show is called Thoughts of a Colored Man. They're not coming in going, what kind of white show am I going to see today? No, they're curious themselves, uh, which is why they've uh, pulled up into the parking lot, walked up to the box office, purchased their ticket, and sat down in a seat as close as possible. There you go. There you go. It's all about, you know, not demonizing, but humanizing people. I mean, that's that's what I took from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So now, uh, Jerome, I'm going to go to you. Um, so did the director spend extra time on the barbershop scene? Say that again, I'm sorry. Oh, did the, the, the director spend extra time on the barbershop scene? Because, you know, all the oh. characters are together in that scene. <laughs> oh, I would think so. That barbershop scene went through several variations, you know? Wow. It was uh, originally, even in, outside of the dialogue, there was a, a kind of a choreography uh, that was a part of uh, setting up the barbershop scene. That went through di- different variations. And not only that, but, you know, obviously the interactive uh, between each character. So, um, yes, I would say uh, the director did spend... Uh, quite a bit of time time on that scene and maybe more time on that scene than any scene. That's a scene, obviously, that has us all in there and maybe the longest um, scene, you know, because it actually, uh, it combines two scenes, you know, so inside the barbershop. So, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And you got all the characters there. That's a part of it, obviously. And then eventually at the, uh, the ending of it, there's a woman, um, that uh, dancer uh, played by Holly Wright that uh, is a part of that scene as well. So um, yeah, yeah, it's all it's all there. All, I mean, there was a lot of time spent on it <laughs> for a shorter answer. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So Brandon, mm-hmm. what was your uh, take on that scene? Um, well, that that scene is it's. I know we make it seem pretty easy, but it's a it's a it's a task to have all of those um those players in one space uh at the same time dealing with multiple uh subject matters. Um there's a rhythm to the scene that I know that Steve Brodnax was uh dealing with and in terms of pace and uh it's easy to get caught up in one story or one character. 
so there has to be this flow that goes uh, with it. Uh, I also think it's it's a very important scene because it's the first time that we see all the characters together, but then we they're also in introductions to many of the characters. Uh, we see Wisdom one time before that, but this is the first time we see him in his uh, place of business. We see Depression one time before that, but this is the first time that uh, we see him interacting uh, with other people in the neighborhood. Uh, and then the same for Lust and Love as well. Then we have first-time introductions with anger. We have first-time introduction with happiness uh, and myself, passion. And so not only are we dealing with something that's very real to the black experience, which is the barbershop, and everyone gets a chance to go, oh, I've been there. Oh, I know that guy. I know that character. Uh, but we're also uh, introducing, in terms of the story that we're deciding to tell, we're introducing these characters as well. So Steve took a lot of care. Um, when it comes yeah. to that scene. Right, right. Now, uh, Jerome, I got to ask you, what ways do you uh, adjust your performance during the run? Um, what ways do I adjust the performance? Uh, can you or do you find that it a changing? Bit? Yeah, um, do you find it changing? I mean, sometime over a long run, there might be slight Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Objectives you bring to it, uh, objectives, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. yeah, things, side adjustments, uh, things like that. Notes mm-hmm. from the director, there might mm-hmm. be slight adjustments here and there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, you know, I try to find myself being open to uh, that uh-huh. uh, as long as as long as it's in the context of what the director uh, directed. Right. Because uh, if you step uh-huh. outside of that what was directed yeah, then yeah, yeah. you're going to another place you know but it, yeah, it, it right. can um, the more you do it the more you feel the character and the relationships uh, with the others uh, some lines can change as long as it's in the context of what it was directed uh, it, uh, it, it it can it, it, it can change uh, but I think in, in, in changing just being very cognizant that you don't step outside of the way it was really directed because you could you could you could go to that place too. You know, you can feel really oh, oh I'm wow. really good about this yeah, now. You don't so want I, to could, do that. I could do this and do that and you know, and then I think Brandon said earlier there's a rhythm that's incorporated and you're trying to you know, you know, keep that rhythm and you said earlier, like jazz, you you each each uh, player has his part that he plays into it. He plays in, he comes out, he plays in, somebody else plays, somebody else plays, and plays, 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 plays. So you try to be, um, you try to, uh, you know, you try to play the same note. You try to play the same tune. But at the same time, mm-hmm. you, there may be some depth in meaning of what you say. Some lines mm-hmm. may just change because you, 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 you understand them a little bit better now than you did in the beginning of the process. So Yeah. Uh, Right, right. As long as it's in the, as long as it stays in the context of the way it was directed. Exactly. So now, Brandon. So now, Jerome just said something profound about you know you understand it better, you get a deeper meaning, and things like Mm -hmm. that. Is that something you find? A hundred percent. I mean, uh, you know, we're we're new people every day. We're we're gathering. You know, we're not robots. We are. Uh, living and breathing in this world every day and there are new things that happen whether that be 
as direct as a talkback that uh, after a show that that influences me in a new way. Uh, that yeah, that talkback may bring deeper meaning to one of the lines that I say, or it could be something that happens personally in my life. Uh, a loss of a sibling, a uh, a birth of a child, um, moving something stressful. Like we can, because we're humans, we're, we're grabbing experiences all the time. And I think what's most important for me, uh, while dealing with a run of of this length, um, is is to definitely stay in the moment. Um, the the words are already written for us. The director has already put put his hands and his his direction on the piece. And as long as we keep those in mind, then I think our job as actors uh, is to stay in the moment and to breathe. And with with each new breath uh, comes a new meaning to the word. And so I, I'm hoping that every audience member, if you come back two, three, four times, um, you're going to get the same story, but you're going to hear it in a new way. Um, every time you come, because we're living it in a new experience every time we're on stage. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, yeah. It's, uh... Okay, gentlemen, we're getting yeah. near the end here. Um, so, Jerome, maybe you could tell us where where this play is going to uh, play at next. Well, the, I, I, you know the. The objective is, is to eventually get to Broadway, um, and at this point, uh, I can't say a, a particular time that would happen, or I can't say if it'll make another stop before, you know. But uh, you know, we started out in Syracuse, came into Baltimore uh, with an objective of uh, getting to Broadway. So, um, you know, that is a question I couldn't really uh, say in terms of a, a definite date or if there would be another house played even uh, before uh, that particular time. But uh, in the meantime, uh, we're here in Baltimore, and we love to invite all the people out to see this very important, uh, thought-provoking, very timely play. Uh, you know, we are in uh, the city of Baltimore, and and uh, we're in a time of, uh, of uh, where we just lost an important uh, a man, a child of Baltimore, um, Representative uh, Elijah Cummings, and uh, African American man, of course, and uh, but and this is a story for, in a sense, every man, but particularly for the African American man. And uh, we're here in Baltimore now, and uh, we encourage the people to come out and see it. It's something in there for everybody, for every age range, for men and women, and. Uh, I have no shadow of a doubt that people will not walk out of the theater the way they walked in. And that's what art is. It changes lives. And uh, it it causes us to think, and it causes us to make uh, decisions, and it inspires us, motivates us, uh, takes us to a place in some places that we have never been before. And so uh, we want to bring all of that into uh, to the, to this play and uh, – we're hoping for everyone uh, who uh, can come out. We've got about two more weeks left. We're there until November the 10th. Well said. Uh, but uh, we are, we're excited. Uh, we're happy to be here. Uh, and uh, we got an incredible cast and an incredible team and that has come uh, in, into this uh, process. Uh, 
two Broadway producers, Ron Simon and Brian Moreland, and uh, incredible director and, of course, the writer Keenan Scott II, uh, Stephen Broadneck III, the director. Um, it's, uh, it's a wonderful team, and we're excited. Uh, grateful to be at uh, Baltimore Center Stage. And uh, yeah, I'll let Brandon throw a little bit in there. I seem, I know that I'm talking a lot, and I know it's only a few, few more minutes left. <laughs> Brandon, you might want to uh, have your, uh, your spiel for the show. How would you encourage a friend to uh, see the show? Um, yeah, if, if you're curious about the thoughts of a colored man, um, come come uh, scratch that itch. Uh, if, if, you know, this is a city with, um, 70, 75%, uh, black population. I know that some of that is, uh, uh, some of that population is, uh, economically, uh, downtrodden. And, uh, I know that we're doing things right now to, um, to get butts in the seats, um, because theater, uh, historically has been an elitist form. And I think what we're trying to do, especially here in, in Baltimore, uh, is show black men, black women, black youth that uh, that you are represented on our stages. And it's not just for a specific class or a specific type of person, uh, that you can see yourself on stage, too, and be moved. And I think about that when I was a, a child, uh, if I would have had opportunity to see myself on a stage, see myself perform, and then maybe even meet the cast uh, after the show or hear them on a radio station, uh, that that may, like Jerome says, uh, inspire to change lives. And I think that's what we're doing in art. I think that's what we're doing in this show. Um, and that's why we live. Man, that's exactly. well said. That's well said, yes. Okay, uh, Jerome and Brandon, well, I really enjoyed it. Uh, this has been a beautiful interview. I think uh, I hope more people see the play and uh, just break legs the rest of the run. Thank you so much. Yes, William. without a doubt. Um, Thoughts of a Colored Man Absolutely. by uh, Keenan Scott II, and it's at the Baltimore Center Stage until November the 10th, 2019. And uh, uh, we have been uh, very uh, – uh, very blessed to have uh, the turnout that we've had, and we look for even more. Absolutely, absolutely. Okay, and gentlemen. Thank you, sir, well, for uh, like us. Said, oh, absolutely, absolutely. Thanks for coming on. Okay, man. Y'all have a great rest of the day. All right, you too. Hey, thank you, sir, and the same to you. Okay. Bye bye. Right. Bye bye. All right, folks, remember to do something for your career every single day and break a leg. Have a great day. Under the dark, you pacify me. Hold my breath. Take me down, I won't fight. Beat of my heart, you drum inside me Somewhere my death Makes a sound no one 